And um, I was just meditating on it this afternoon, and the Lord just kind of busted it out of my spirit. Turn with me over to Matthew, I mean Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 6th verse. Hebrews eleven six. Paul, I believe Paul was the writer of Hebrews. He had a lot to say about faith, especially in that 11th chapter of Hebrews. There's a whole lot about faith in that verse or in that chapter. And, uh, but look what he said in Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. I want to say that one more time. <laughs> You can't, please, you can't please God with self-righteousness. You can't please God with keeping the dogma of a church. It takes faith. Faith. All those things are good. How many understand what I'm saying? But it's faith in God. Faith in what Jesus did for us is where that's what pleases Him. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I've been observing, as we traveled for several years, and observing in a lot of the churches where we had been for years, and then we go back to some of them, and uh, it's amazing to see where the faith level is. In a lot of these places that at one time were at a high level of faith. I mean, they didn't let the devil get any upper hand on them. They immediately went to war with the devil with the word of God. And they overcame. Isn't that what the Bible says? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Our testimony is in the word of God. Our testimony is in what Jesus did. That's our testimony. Amen. It's not a testimony of how great I am. And I, I, I'm, I'm concerned with some people in some ministries today because it's always I, 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 I'm this, I'm that. If it wasn't for me, this wouldn't be happening. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> it happened before we ever come along. <laughs> God's Word is moving. Now, God's using some men in a great way. And God's opened doors for them. And I, I believe that, listen, it's only a select few that God can really reach down and give them the honor and the responsibility. That's, that's a great responsibility they have. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a place of honor that God puts them in. But you know what? It doesn't make them no greater than you. They're no greater than us. Nobody is greater than anybody else. Why? Because Jesus is the equalizer. <laughs> and He has equaled everything out. Because we're all in the family of God. He's, all, he's, a, he's our Father. Jesus is the Son of the living God. And He's won the victory for us. But as I've, I've traveled and I've seen in churches that there seems to be a struggle for faith in the churches today. There's a struggle. Used to... And I, I'm not fussing at nobody. How many understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Years ago in the move of God. And uh, uh, if somebody got sick, they immediately just pounced on them with the Word and the blood and the faith in God. And God's Word prevailed. Y'all know what I'm saying? Now then, we sometimes prayer is the last resort. 
Sometimes calling for someone to anoint you with oil is the last resort. But you see, God wants us to get back to our <laughs> our natural surroundings again, our, our, our background of faith, our background of believing God, our background of seeing what God can do. And, but there's a struggle. And the faith problem is becoming very acute in, in the body of Christ. I, I, I've, I've, been, I've been flabbergasted, if that's the right word I can use, at some of the remarks that I have received from people. Because, I, I mean, I go to where we used to be able to pray for the sick, lay hands upon the sick. And listen, you're never going to find us turning anybody away that needs prayer here. And uh, listen, if you're sick, call for us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will move by the gifts of the Spirit. But if it doesn't, and you're needing prayer, stand up and say, Preacher, I need prayer. Because that's, that's what our church body is supposed to do. And the Lord will honor that. But I've, I've been to places where I used to go all the time, and I, they said, Now, Brother Clarence, now we're going to give you about 15 minutes to preach. I said, 15 minutes? I said, I can't even get my introduction done in 15 minutes. So what are you talking about? I said, you spent 45 minutes singing. And you're going to give me 15 minutes to preach? But that's about the way it is now. This is, this is, I'm talking about this is the norm that you see throughout our country and throughout, not, not in the other countries, here in the United States. The other countries are on fire for God. In fact, they're sending evangelists over here. <laughs> Praise God. And God's doing some things. But it's becoming very acute. Waves of unbelief is sweeping over the church. Uh, Many of our leaders have been swept into the whirlpool of modernism. Now, modernism isn't updating your building. That's, that's just a natural thing that happens. You update your home. You update things around you as you're, that you're, you're in. Amen? Uh, you, you need to update your mattress every once in a while. <laughs> hey, we just learned out we need to update our tires. Not ours, but I mean... Uh, uh, our tires got birth dates on them. Did you know that? Yeah. I saw that on the news the other night. And we went out and checked our birth date on our tires. And take, thank God they were good. Hey, Amen. We still got two years or three years left on those tires. Praise God. But, but you know, uh, it's important that we need to realize that modernism has swept into the church to where it's no longer the power of God. It's more or less what we can do to draw people and and in order to um, uh, you know pacify them, we don't have no smoke up here. We don't have no flashing lights. Our lights are bright for us to praise and worship God in. We've been in some places where we used to go, and it was all bright like this. But then all of a sudden, you go there now, and you can't. I can't even hardly read my words. You know, I said, "My goodness, could we turn the lights up a little bit?" Of course, I'm just being facetious, you know. But it's the truth. Modernism. <laughs> but it's not just modernism in that. It's modernism in the, um, the workings of the Spirit of God in the church. It's modernistic. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to run anybody off. Now, you know what? I always say this, and I say it every time. We're not here to condemn anybody. 
And I don't want condemnation preaching. I want preaching of the truth that will bring conviction. See, there's a difference in condemnation and conviction. What conviction does, it hits our hearts to where we will want to move towards God and move in the realm of the Spirit with God because we're convicted in our heart. Maybe you haven't been spending enough time with God. Maybe you haven't been spending enough time in the Word. You know, I want to preach so that you're convicted. I don't want to beat you on the head. That's not it. We want to, we want you to go out of here rejoicing. <laughs> Amen. But there's a demand, there's a demand for a definite, well-defined path that the minds of the troubled age can find their way into the realm of faith again. We, we got to get people back into faith. Amen. Come on. And when I say, you know, somebody said, well, you're going to be a faith preacher. Well, I preach faith. So I guess I'm a faith preacher in that sense. But I know what some people mean when they say faith preachers is prosperity teaching or uh, the, the, the far out stuff that gets out there. Big, you know, there, listen, there's some stuff going on today that I don't even want to be associated with some of it. I, I don't have to spend no $5,000 put my name in a crack over at a Jewish wall somewhere. Sure got quiet, didn't it? <laughs> For some evangelist to go over there and pray for over my name that's in there. Hey, I don't need that. Praise God. <laughs> well, I'm going to get back to preaching now. But, but, but we need to get back into the realm of faith. Y- y'all with me? The church needs to, quote, see, quote. We, we need to see. With a spiritual insight. We need to see what God's Word says. You can, you can see this Word and you can read this Word, but do you really see the Word? See, you've got to see it through eyes of faith. You've got to perceive it in our spirit man. We've we got to have spiritual perception uh, on what God is saying. Some people can tell you about the crucifixion, but they really don't know the depth and the revelation of what Jesus did for us, if they did, they'd never backslide. Hallelujah. If we really got it down in our hearts. So we need to see and get the revelation of the truth. See, you were born to taste the grapes of Eskel. <laughs> Amen. You know what the grapes of Eskel was? That's when the spies went in. They brought the evidence and the fruit out of the country that God had given them. And they had evidence of it. And the grapes of Eskel. Oh, I bet they were sweet. I bet they were juicy and sweet. I, I, it, was all, it had to be because God did it. That was God's doings. But unbelief kept them from going in. They needed to have the faith of God. But we were born to taste those grapes. We were, enjoy, we were born to enjoy the royalty as being a son of God, a child of the Most High. We're born. I, listen, I, you don't have to be intimidated by nobody, you know, to say you're a Christian. You don't, somebody say, I'm, you're different. Are you a Christian? Well, you, should, you shouldn't even have them have to ask you. You've already been able to tell them so you can try to lead them to the Lord. <laughs> but 
We're designed. We're, we're, to, we're to enjoy the blessings and the benefits of God. We're born for that. How many understands that tonight? You have an instinct on the inside of you to improve. There's, listen, God, we're, we're wonderfully created by God. And God's put some certain instincts in us. How many knows there's an instinct for survival that everybody has? There's an instinct that's put there for survival. But we've got an instinct for improvement. For improvement in what way? Improvement spiritually. And growth, spiritual growth, and grow into the things of God and have God's Word operating in our life. And we have a motivation for increase. God wants to increase us. God wants to increase us spiritually, mentally, emotionally. He wants to increase us physically. To, well, I mean increase physically in, in the, in, uh, to where we're well, not, not increase us physically. Amen. Y'all can laugh. But we've got a motivation for increase spiritually. And something inside you gravitates towards growth. Listen, I want to grow. I want to be more than what I was 40 years ago. 20 years ago. I want to be more than what I was last week. There's something in me that I gravitate towards growth. And we're, we're created for expansion. We're created this way. God wants us to expand, and uh, you'll never be happy any other way. <laughs> I want to grow. I want to multiply. I want to see God do things in my heart and life. There's three things I want you to remember that we need to remember these three things about God. Number one, God is. Number two, God is able. Number three, God will. <laughs> see, God is. See, everybody say, God is the healer. God is able to heal. But God will heal. Amen? Now, we got to get out of the well of despair. <laughs> Sometimes we get caught up in our and uh, all the, the things in the, that the devil's doing around us and maybe in our family or immediate family and, and maybe in our neighborhood or our community. I mean, we get caught up in these things and we get into a well of despair. But I want to tell you something. God don't want us down in the well. I, I remember Brother John Osteen. I, he, he, was a, he was such an exhorter. He was, he really had a great minute. He was a great teacher and preacher, but he was an exhorter. He could exhort people. I seen him get up in a service and exhort and, and on the Holy Ghost and 50 or 60 people received the Holy Ghost just like that. I'd seen him get up and exhort just on, on, uh, coming to the Lord and coming back to God and re, you know, and, and, and people just start weeping and coming to the Lord. But he preached a lot of times with little, Parables. I call them parables. But he, he, he was preaching this one time, and he's so funny when he preached. I'm probably not going to be as funny as he is. But I'll never forget this particular story. <laughs> it was about a little frog that was in the well. Now, this little frog was deep down in the well, and someone had put the top over the well. 
Man, the, the, the little frog survived because it had water. And he just splashed around in the little water and in the little bucket that was down there. And he just, that was his life. But that was all that he had. That's all that he knew. And one day somebody come by the well and they kind of nudged the lid off a little bit. And they were just kind of looking down, I guess, to see what was down there. And they left the lid off and the sunlight started coming through. That little frog was down there. He started looking up at that sunlight. He said, wow, I've never seen this before. I thought it was just like this all my life. Dark, dreary, wet. He said, I knew where I was, so I wasn't worried. But now, look, at I, I see light. So he, he was able to scurry up somehow the wall of that well and get up to the top. And he got up there. And he's perched out there on top of the, the, the lip of the well there. And he was looking around. He blinked his eyes. He just blinked his little eyes. He said, wow. Because there he looked out and he saw this great big pond. A little Now, there would be a little pond to us. You know, but it was a great big pond of water to him. You know, where the horses and the cows got in and, and different things. And he said, wow, look at that. So he hopped over to the little pond that he splashed around in the little pond. He was just having the time of his life. And then that little pond had some water that was coming to it. And it was coming from a creek bed. And the water was coming in and to the pond through this little creek bed. And he said, wow. He got in there and splashed around in the creek. Then all of a sudden he realized that there was a river. There was a river. And he went down there and he said, I've never seen so much water. I didn't know life could be so good. And he was just jumping around with that, with all, he was in the river just having a good time. Then that river dumped off into the gulf or into the ocean. And he saw water that he had never, an expansion of water he had never seen. He didn't know it was there. See, he had been confined in his little well all this time. And in, in that well, he was confined. It didn't know anything was better or bigger or anything else on the outside because he was trapped. He was confined. He was trapped. And he was contained. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of believers. There's a lot of Christians that are contained. They're contained. They haven't been able to expand and see really what God is doing and what God will do and what God wants to do. Because they've been contained. I'll never forget the first time I took my first plane ride. That was to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> that was when we was working on my car. My dad was supposed to fix it for me. And he had a two bucket of bolts, two buckets of bolts and screws and nuts and all this. I said, Dad, we didn't have it before. And when we got done, he said, well, it's running. I said, yeah, but these don't these go in there somewhere? He said, well, it's running. you want to take it apart again? Do I said, no. <laughs> so I just got me a plane and flew to Portland. And I was up there for six weeks preaching, you know. And uh, But I'll never forget getting on that plane the first time. That's the first time I'd really taken a plane ride. That was my first plane ride in a jet uh, and, and nonstop flight from Dallas to uh, Portland, Oregon. And I, I tell you what, I was, I was big time. I felt like I was just really first class preacher now. And I'd, I'd been confined. I'd been contained. But you know what? That little trip 
turned into many trips across the waters to different countries and different things and, and different places all over as God opened the doors. And it was no longer, it wasn't just a, a new fad for me. It was something that was necessary, and yet at the same time it was available. But you see, I'd been contained. See, we, we think sometimes, well, we can never do that. We, we can never do that. I, I, I don't have the ministry to do that. I, I don't have the, you know, who am I to think that I can go fly everywhere like that? Well, God said do it, and I did it, and we did. I even had my own plane for a while. Praise God. Amen. Well, it wasn't mine. We just rented ones, what we did. I had a pilot in the church. And uh, he flew us everywhere when we needed to go. And he just flies. And I'd take three or four men with me. We had a six-passenger plane. We'd just take off and fly and just enjoy it. And I said, boy, this is good. This is a good life. But you see, if we're contained, we don't ever jump out and, and use our faith. Amen? Faith. That little frog, he was contained for those years, but he got free. But listen. Satan's strategy is to keep many Christians contained and not able to fulfill their God-given destiny. When I use that word destiny, I use it in the right term. You know, God-given destiny. See, God's, God's giftings are in us. God's callings are in us. Not everybody's called to the same thing. Not, not everybody's going to be called to preach, called to be an evangelist, or called to, you know. But, but we all have a calling of God. God's got something for every one of us. But the devil would love to just see you contained and not able to fulfill that call of God in your life. Listen. We got some, we got singers in our church. Wouldn't it be something, Sister Francis, one day we just, you know, get us a program on there and, and just have all of our singers singing and, and everybody just writing in and say, wow, let Sister so-and-so sing again. Praise God. You know, let, let this one sing again. I, listen, we, I believe God's got gifts and talents right here. Some of you already improved. And I'm working on mine, improving. Y'all just stay praying for me, and I'll see if I can get there, you know. But, you know, I sure have a good time trying to, though. Amen. And listen, but the devil wants to keep us down. Three facts about God underline true faith. He is able. Everybody say, He's able. Matthew 9, 28, when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I'm able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. He's able. God is able. We, we, that's the first thing we've got to get established in our heart. God is able to do all things. He's able. The ability of God. Number two, he is willing Not only is he able, he's willing. Look at Matthew 8, 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. God's able. He's willing. And thirdly, he is. 
Hebrews 11:6. But without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is. He's able. He will. He is. He's what? He's our healer. He's our provider. He's our joy. He's our peace. He's everything we need Him to be. He's willing to do that. He's able to do that. But we've got to let Him be the He is. I am. Amen? I have this in my notes here, but it's good. I keep them like that. Do not claim to have faith until you can say, I am and I have because God is. <laughs> when you can say that I am, talk about God, and I have because God is. I am what God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do because He is. He's everything that we need Him to be. So Satan's strategy is containment. The children of Israel was contained for a number of years by Pharaoh. Remember, they went into bondage for 400 years. 400 years of captivity and bondage because of unbelief. 400 years because they didn't dare, you know, they just didn't trust God and believe Him. But 400 years they were enslaved. Slaves to the Egyptians. Slaves to their hard task that they had to do for them. Enslaved to that. And the children of Israel's population had grown larger than that of Egypt. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> he was afraid. Pharaoh was afraid because fear fell in his heart. And he was afraid that the children of Israel would rise up against him because they were greater in number. And fear gripped his heart. What am I going to do? So he had a strategy. He wanted to contain the children of Israel. And he doubled their workload. So they would not, so they would wear themselves out physically. Now I'm going to say something here. We need to always take time to rest. Sometimes we get so busy and we think, boy, if I don't do that right now. No, I think we need to pace ourselves. How many knows when? How many ever worked on the job nine to five or eight to five or eight to six or whatever time you had to do it? Y'all work, and you know what? You paced yourself on that job so that you could get done with what you had to do by that certain time. And guess what? If it wasn't done, it didn't matter. You're going to go home, unless you had a mean boss said you're going to work overtime. (laughs) But. But, but, you know, we, we've got to come to that place. The strategy is there. The devil wants to work us to a dither. We, we've got to learn how to rest physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Rest. It's important. It's important. People that don't get a rest, they're not very joyful either. People that don't get enough rest don't really have the peace. 
Hallelujah. They don't have that sense of worthiness with the Lord because they're so exhausted. Y'all still with me tonight? But he doubled their workload. He let them go and worship. He said, but don't go too far. This was Pharaoh's idea. You can worship, but don't go too far. Now, you know what the devil's doing? Oh, you know. You can worship, but don't get too fanatical. Don't start telling people God can do anything. I don't. I tell them God can do everything. <laughs> he, he, he created it. He owns it. It's His. And He can do everything if we'll allow Him to. But don't go too far. And this, this is what's happening in the church world today. Listen, I'm surprised. I, I'm, I'm really appalled at some of the things that I see and hear. But people, they don't want, they don't want to upset the devil. And you'd be surprised. Now listen. Churches that are supposed to be spirit-filled, quote, spirit-filled churches, are allowing all kinds of things in their faculty, their people that work for them, and it doesn't matter. I mean, big ministries are allowing uh, things to happen that should not be happening because they don't want to offend anybody. I want to tell you something. The gospel will offend. The gospel will offend. The gospel will bring conviction. We, we, the gospel is like a mirror. You put it up there and you see yourself like you are. And then God's going to show you a picture of what you can be <laughs> through Jesus Christ and what He did and through the blood. And we start seeing ourselves through the blood. Things are going to be better. But He wouldn't let them go too far. He wouldn't let them... He would not let them take the animals of sacrifice to go with them. You know, go to church and make your appearance. You know, give your offering. But just don't get so involved where you're going to have all-night prayer meetings. Boy, it got quiet. (laughs) No worry, we're not going to call an all-night prayer meeting right away. <laughs> but God may have us to. Amen? And He wanted them to leave the children behind, Pharaoh did. I won't tell you where... Well, I don't have to tell you, you know already. The devil wants our children. He wants our kids. He can't get us old fogies. We're too set in our ways. (laughs) He's not going to change my mind about Christianity or God or the blood or or me serving the Lord. And he's not going to change yours. But he doesn't want your children or great-grandchildren or grandchildren or or nieces and nephews. He, he He doesn't want these children to receive. And everything is against our kids right now. Amen. You need to check 
most of you have your children already grown, but you need to check with your great-grandchildren what's, what's going on in their schools and what's been taught and what's been said and what's been spoken to them. And listen, it's all over. It's, it, it's, in, it's in the big cities, but it's in the little towns, too. It's here. The devil does not want the children. Listen, the older generation, he said, well, they'll just die off one by one, you know, but let me have the kids. You're not going to take them to worship. See how, see how the devil has confined and contained? The church should be going forward. Our children should be raised in the banner. Some of us, our great-grandchildren should be raised in the banner. They should be raised in the banner for the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not happening and we're not blaming you or nobody else, but I'm just saying the devil is trying to contain. How many understand that? The devil wants to contain. He wants to contain. So we're contained by allowing the devil to control our thinking. Amen? Y'all get anything out of this tonight? Thoughts are a powerful force that can imprison your hopes. Just thoughts that the devil puts there can keep you down and keep you under his control. Now, I'm not talking about you getting into bad habits, drinking and, and, and drugs. I'm talking about controlling you to where you can't operate in faith. When I say faith, I'm not talking about just getting physical things here and there. I'm talking about faith. Faith for your kids. Faith for your family. Faith for God to move like He said He would. Listen, God promised us our children. He promised us our kids. They, they belong to the Lord. Can you say amen? So a person is contained within the walls of his thoughts. The devil contains us from being what God's called us to be. I've told this story, but the young lady that felt like she had a gift to sing, and I didn't think she had a gift, and didn't sound like she had the gift, and, and I made a fool of myself the first time I heard her practicing, and, and I, 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 I really thought somebody was just playing. And I just kicked open the door, and I said, Kill it before it multiplies! Little did I realize she was practicing her song. Boy, I felt about this big. But you know what? She didn't let thoughts of defeat keep her. She didn't let the thoughts that the devil said, Well, see there, even the preacher's making fun of you. Well, I wasn't doing it on purpose. I didn't do that on purpose. I apologize, I apologize, and I apologize, I apologize, and I apologize. I wouldn't ever hurt nobody on purpose. So if I've ever hurt you, it's not on purpose. <laughs> but God gave her the gift. She wasn't contained by those thoughts. She wasn't contained by the thoughts of failure and those thoughts that said she can't do it and she won't be anything. She did become a singer. She became one of our soloists. And then her and her husband, they got called to the Midwest and they were youth pastors and she made three or four CDs, you know, of her songs. Praise God. God just moved and blessed. But listen, but she could have just let the thoughts of failure keep her contained and never get out and do what God called her to do. Hallelujah. Hmm. You are what you think. 
Amen? You are what you think. But what we do, we need the revelation of who you are in Christ to come alive. And this is, look, look at what Paul said in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23. There's several verses here, but I want to read them. Because the revelation of what Christ has done to be reality in our heart. We've got to know this. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, Far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, ever named this name, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul prayed a prayer for the church at Ephesus that their eyes would be open, and they would have understanding and enlightenment of what Jesus did and who he is. In fact, he goes on in Ephesians, the second chapter, and he says, He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3 said, He has made us accepted in the Beloved. We've been made accepted in the Beloved. And He's elevated us into the presence of the Lord. Listen, you can walk above the problems when you've got this revelation. Hallelujah. You can walk above fear, doubt, Unbelief, failures, back failures, whatever you failed in. It doesn't matter where it is. God can lift you up when you get the revelation of Jesus because He's raised us up together to be seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ. We're accepted. Can you say amen? Let me remember that magician, Houdini. Y'all remember hearing about Houdini? He was, he could get out of anything. <laughs> he was tricked by a warden one night, though. They placed him in a jail cell with a straitjacket locked on him. And the cell door was shut, and it sounded like the lock was locked behind it. So, Houdini had successfully been able to get loose from the straitjacket. He was able to get loose. He was able to just boom, boom, boom. He'd just get out of that thing. That's amazing. I've seen people do that in... Some of the, I don't know how they do it, but they can do it. I don't know if they're double-jointed or what they are, but they get out of that thing. <laughs> but he was able to do it, and he did so successfully that, successfully that night. But remember, they locked him in the cell. And the warden wasn't going to come back till the next morning. And in frustration, all night long, he tried to pick that lock. <laughs> he tried to pick it open, but he couldn't do it. Finally, he rested till the next morning when the warden came and showed him the cell door. He, uh, he, the, cell, he, the warden said, hey, this door was never locked. <laughs> hey, I want to tell you something. The devil's got us hoodwinked. He, we think the cell door's locked. We, we, we think it's locked and we can't get out. 
We, we think that, you know, that, that all the, all, all of our failures is because we just can't get out. It's locked. But all the time, the lock has been unlocked. Because Jesus has set the captives free. It's been unlocked through the power of the blood. We're victorious. We're more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. We have what God says we have. We can do what God says we can do. We can talk like God says to talk. We can think like God. Hallelujah. Because we have the mind of Christ. So prison's not the problem. <laughs> the world's not the problem. The warden or the devil's not the problem. That's not the problem. Circumstances are not our problem. Y'all still with me tonight? <laughs> Circumstances are not a problem. So what is it? Look at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We, we've got to get to that point to where God can say, let me renew your thinking. Let me, let, let's think like God thinks now. Let's think of this situation like God thinks. God is in charge. God's in control. The devil is not in charge. The devil's not in control. We've got to get it to that place in our heart. Look, devil, you're not in charge of my family. And you may have hoodwinked me a few weeks ago or months ago or whatever, but I want to tell you something. I got a new revelation. I'm not going to be hoodwinked by you no more. Because God has freed me, and I'm victorious through Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb. And I'm not going to be contained. I'm not going to let my thoughts contain me into defeat, into depression, into doubt and fear and unbelief. And put me in a position to where I can't be what God's called me to be. Moses said, they won't hearken unto my voice. When Jesus, when the Lord was talking to him, for they say, for they say. <laughs> they won't hearken to my voice, for they say. See, we put more stock in what you say. You've you got to put more stock in what you're saying. Because what you say is the Word of God. What the devil says is a lie. What God's Word says is truth. So therefore, I'm going to put stock in what I say with my mouth because it's the Word of God. Fear is a dominant force in people's lives to keep them contained. Fear. Job allowed fear to dominate his thinking. Y'all remember the story of Job? In that very first chapter, the Bible said he was the wealthiest man in the East. He was the wealthiest man in the East. He had children. And the Bible says in that first chapter of Job that he offered sacrifices for his children daily because, this is what he said, because they may have sinned a great sin against God. Fear. Fear. Instead of saying, okay, Lord, I'm claiming them for the kingdom of God. Devil, you're a liar. Fear dominated him, 
And that fear caused him to act on that fear. And even Job made the statement when the men that he was talking to, he said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. Fear will destroy. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will conquer you. Fear. You, you spell it F-E-A-R. If you take the ear off of it, guess what? You don't have no fear. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing by the Word. So fear, how's it going to come? You hear, you hear the bad reports. You hear what the devil says. You hear what he's whispered in your mind and in your ear. You hear that. That's what we hear. So therefore, that's where fear dominates us. Amen? It keeps you from stepping out in faith. Remember the guy that had the talents? And instead of going out and making more, the Bible said in Matthew 15, or 25, 25, and I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. <laughs> Look, you still have there what's yours. He didn't make no money. He didn't make an investment. He didn't do nothing good with it. But he hid it because he was afraid. He was afraid and went and hid it. Don't let fear keep us. Don't let fear keep us from, not, from doing what God's called us to. Your thoughts keep you confined. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The thought life is the beginning of victory. What we think. Think on these things. Things that are a good report. Think on these things. Things that are full of faith. Think on these things. Because victories are won and lost right here many times. Jeremiah 20, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. This is God talking to Israel. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, God, if God will not think bad or evil thoughts toward us, who are we to think bad or negative thoughts all the time? <laughs> God only thinks good. But the has all God sees is good. All God sees is you doing the work of the Lord and God honoring your faith and God seeing people set free. As a man thinks in his heart, the Bible said in Proverbs 20, 3, verse 7, so is he. God's given us weapons to control our thoughts. He's given us weapons. For the weapons of our warfare, Second Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. Listen, God's gave us an opportunity tonight. I'm, I'm, come, I'm not going to be like that little frog down there stuck in that little bucket down there. I'm going to see God's taking the lid off. <laughs> There's light glimmering through. Some of us have seen a little light. We've seen a little revelation. But God wants you to get out there and start swimming in that revelation. <laughs> Realize there's more than that little bucket. There's more than that little pond that he got to. There's more as we begin to follow the Lord. And God wants to just give us abundance. Can you say amen? Enlarge your place. 
Look at Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3. Sing, O barren, thou that did not bear, break forth into singing, and cry loud, thou that did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Hallelujah. I love this scripture. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch forth the curtains of their habitations. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Oh, glory to God. I used to travel with my dad with tents. And we had to get out there and get the old sledgehammer. Just me and him a lot of time. We'd get some other fellas to help us occasionally. And, and But, I mean, we had, we had to make sure that those stakes were driven in and that tent was stretched, that canvas was stretched. And then if it rained, we had to go out there and loosen it a little bit because it would tighten up and you didn't want it ripping. So we had to get out there and loosen it a little bit and, and, and that. But you know what? We had to drive those stakes in. And this is what the Lord's saying here. Enlarge your place. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Strengthen it. Hallelujah. Pray more. Read more. Digest the Word more. Sing more. Praise more. Glorify God more. As we do this, we're we're strengthening our stakes. For he said, Thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Hallelujah. Sometimes we're being contained. How many, of those, how many of those people are contained? I heard this story one time of this guy had this dog. And he didn't have a big fence around his yard or he had a lot of property. And so he had this, he put a stake down with a chain and it was like a choker chain he put on this dog. Because this dog loved to chase after trucks. I never have figured out dogs yet. I mean, they think they, I don't know what they're going to do with the truck when they get it. Uh, have you ever seen a dog take after a truck? I mean, they nip at that thing down the road, and I mean, they're just, I mean, if that truck stopped, it'd just run over them, you know. But I mean, they just, and this way this dog was. So he put this choker chain on him to keep him from going out there and doing that. And so as he did that, he, he noticed that dog, he'd go out there and he'd see that truck coming by, and he'd go out there and that choker chain just pull him back. And he did this for about 10 or 15 times, he'd just pull him back. Then one day he noticed that the dog, that truck would come, and he'd be going down the road, and that dog, he'd go out there and he'd run, and he'd just come to a skid and stop right there where that thing used to choke him. He'd just stop. And that guy said, I'm going to do a little test here. So he loosened the chain. He just loosened it on him. He kept it on there, but he just loosened it so that all he had to do was just run out and it would fall off. And so here come a truck, and he had loosened that chain. Here that dog jumps up, and he takes off, and he goes, and he just comes out to where the place is where he can keep going, and he just stops, because he'd been trained. He's been confined. He didn't realize if he just took another step or two, that chain would just come off, and he could go tear that tire off that truck. You know, he didn't realize that. But you see, the thing is, we're, we're contained. We're contained. We're, we we just we limit God. We come so far, and then we just sit down as far as I can go, because I know what happened the last time I tried to go further. The devil just almost ate my lunch. Amen. What God's saying? I have loosed the chain. Thou art loosed. <laughs> 
you're not in bondage. You're not confined in your spirit. You're not confined by the enemy no longer. You're victorious in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We have victory in Jesus. All we have to do is just take that one more step and that chain comes off. Because, well, listen, Jesus has liberated us. We're victorious. We're victorious in Him. And we're going to go forward in the Lord. Jabez. you remember the, the story of Jabez? There over in uh, uh, second, uh, First Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Listen, names mean something. I know. i got a great name. Clarence Richard. I looked it up one time. Clarence means intelligent one. Richard means courageous and lion-hearted. Listen, names are important. I mean, what if my mom had named me Clarabelle? You know, I'd be in trouble today. Names are important. Amen. I, I, I believe. <laughs> you know, what Johnny Cash? He wrote that song, "Boy Named Sue." <laughs> Names are important. Jabez, mother called his name because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted what he requested. Listen, we have the right to remove the limits today. I said, you've got the right to remove all the limits Paul and Silas in jail removed limits. They weren't limited by the being in prison with the bonds and stocks and bonds around them and the chains and being beaten to, to just an inch of their life. That They didn't let that stop them. They did not let that limit them from God's power being manifested. Ezekiel prophesied to the dead bones. The Lord said, go prophesy to those dead bones. Ezekiel says, what do I say? <laughs> The Lord said, you tell them to live. Live. Can you imagine prophesying to a bunch of dead bones in a valley? Live. Live. Ezekiel did it. And there was a shaking and a rattling going on. Bones started going to bones. And it was connected to where they should be connected. And it became an exceedingly great army. You see, that barn, that that uh, boneyard was was a was actually a, a cemetery where they had placed these bodies of soldiers, Israeli soldiers or Jewish soldiers. They had actually just mutilated them and just cast them into this. Big valley there, and that's where they were decaying and just coming apart because at one time they were a victorious army. And the Lord said, prophesy. And he prophesied. Prophesied to the winds. And the winds begin to blow. And the winds begin to blow. And then all of a sudden there was a shaking and a rattling going on. And bones started coming to the bones. And it began to be connected where it was supposed to be connected. And it rose up as an exceedingly great army. And God breathed life back in that army of people again. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. There's no, don't, don't get... I don't care if you already, you know, put... The, the thing on your tombstone, here lies a happy person. 
It doesn't matter. God's not done with you yet. I said, God's not done with you yet. There's many saints of God that have went on to be with the Lord. God was done with their assignment. God was done with what they needed to do. But listen, we're still here. You're still here. You're here for a reason. And what God wants us to do is don't be contained. Praise the Lord. Remove all limits. Moses and Israel at the Red Sea. He just said, God said, just lift your rod up. He lifted it up and it parted. Amen. They went over on dry ground. There's nothing impossible with the Lord. Can you say amen? Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-two. Behold, I'm the Lord of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? No. Nothing's too hard. Matthew nineteen twenty-six. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With God all things are possible. With men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Isaiah 52, 2 says, Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, and then sit down, O Jerusalem, and loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Hallelujah. God, listen, listen, God's done so much for us. Jesus has paid the price, but we're going to have to make up our mind like he's telling them here in Isaiah. Shake yourself, rise, sit down, loose yourself from the bonds. You loose yourself from the bonds of the neck. Loose yourself from it. Loose yourself from it. Loose yourself from that timid spirit. Loose yourself from that spirit of unbelief. Loose yourself from that spirit of fear and, and, and e- e- emotional basket case. I mean, loose yourself from it. Because God's got something bigger. I said God's got something bigger. God's not done with you. You're here. God's not through with you. Brady, God wasn't through with you. You're getting stronger every day. I tell you what, I remember when he first came in here, he couldn't hardly get in here without aid and help. But now he just walks in on his own. She probably has to keep him from getting out there mowing the grass. He'll pull the old card on that. He'll pull the old card out on that one and say, I'm too old. Oh, glory to God. We need God's power. We can't afford to shortchange ourselves. Or you can't afford to shortchange other people either. By limiting our reliance upon all that God offers to us. God has everything for us. God is everything. He's our life. He's our life. I tell you what, if we, if we could just get half of this down in our spirit, we'd be better off tomorrow than we were yesterday. God wants us to get it in our spirit. We're loosed. We're victorious. I'm not, going, I'm not in that little well no more. <laughs> I done saw too much. I want more. I want to see more. I want to see more of what God wants to do and what God can do and what God will do. But you know what we have to do? We have to get to that. We have to get that want to in our spirit. We have to get that want to. Lord, I want what you have for me. I desire revival. 
I desire a move of the Holy Ghost. I desire that. Somebody said, when is it going to start? It's going to start right here. With us. Individually. When we take the limits off of God for ourselves, then God begins to move in a mighty way. Y'all still with me? Do you love Him tonight? Oh, lift your hands and just thank the Lord. Praise God. God is so good. God, you're so good. You're so good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I hope my desire when I preach is to inspire you, but it's also to instruct you and, and get, get something deep to chew on. Because God's not done with us. God's not done with us. God will move in you. Praise the Lord. You know, music is anointed. It's anointed. Singing is anointed. Sister Francis, when you when you exhort and sing, there's the Spirit of God's behind that. Doris, when you're singing, there God's behind that. We're ministering to people as well as ourselves. Somebody needs to hear it. Brother Hass, I'll tell you what, the joy of the Lord, it's God, you've got a great voice. But I'm saying God's joy, the joy and the anointing is there with it. Something good. Sister Ramona, I'll tell you what, it's getting better. If you can just find a good piano player with you, you know, I praise God. (laughs) But I'm getting better too. Hallelujah. I can get on key with you now. (laughs) Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Don't be contained. You know, if there's something that's containing you right now, all you have to do is the door's already unlocked. Somebody come along and slid off the top for that little frog. And he saw that there was more than where he was. And when he got up there, he saw there was a whole lot more. And there's a whole lot more for us tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's peace. Peace. Wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit. Forever, I pray, in fathomless billows 
of love. Could you just lift up your hand and sing it to the Lord? It's peace. Oh, peace, peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever. I pray in fathom the spillers of love. You know the word peace? You know when you look at the word peace, it's more than just calm in the water. But the word peace means wholeness, completeness. God wants to bring wholeness, completeness to us. Spirit, soul, and body. And as we let that peace of God minister to us, something's going to take place. We're going to rise up out of that little well. (laughs) And we're going to find that place in God where God can overflow in our lives. Could we slip up our hands one more time and sing it? Well, it's peace. The peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray in fathomless billow. I want you to just shut your eyes and I want you to just think in your own, your own life right now. Your own life. Things happen. Life happens. How many knows life happens? Chaotic things. We have losses. Deep losses. God knows the losses that we've had. I know firsthand what grief can do. I know what first I know firsthand that, that feeling of emptiness. I know firsthand of being angry with God. <laughs> Mad at God. I know what it is. But I also know God's a loving father. And even when I was pitching my fit out at the funeral home, <laughs> pitching my little hissy out at the graveside, the Lord just kind of, He didn't say nothing. He just let me do what I wanted to do and just get it all out, just get it all out. And then I just collapsed. And then God spoke to me. He said, now let me have my say. I did what your loved one wanted. I had the expiration date. Not her, nobody else. And he said, but I got something bigger and something better. 
it's not over yet. I said it's not over yet. It's not over yet for any of us in here this morning, this tonight. It's not over. It's not over till you cast in the towel. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, as long as we got breath, God's got a purpose in our life. God's got His destiny in our life. God's got His design. He's got His call in what He's called us to do. Sometimes we feel like we can't do it without nobody else there with us. But listen, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. God's not going to leave us in a lurch. Amen? Listen, God's a healer. God loves us. God knows where we are. He knows how much we can bear. How many knows that? God knows how much you can take. But what we got to do is just say, Lord, put your hand in the hand of that nail-scored hand. And said, I believe. I believe. I believe, Lord. Oh, it's peace. Oh, peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Oh, one more time, just put your hand in the hand of the Lord and sing it. Oh, peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever. I pray in fathomless billows of love. If you're able to just join that person's hand next to you. Just let the peace of God, just let that peace of God just flow from you to them in the name of Jesus. It's God's peace. It settles your heart, it settles your mind when the peace of God ministers to you. And you just know that you know that you know that you know that you know that God's in control. And we're not limited. We're not limited. Sister Caldine, you're not limited. Sister Francis, you're not limited. Even though the strength of our lives are with the presence of the... You're still not limited tonight. God's with us. God's with us. Just pray for that person now. Just let God's ministry of His power and His love. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. We praise You, Jesus. Praise You, Lord. We're not going to be contained any longer. We're free. We're free indeed. We're free because You've made us free, Lord. Oh, we praise You. We praise You, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is Your name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Hallelujah. Those children's got to come home to be with the Lord. They got to come back to God. I said they got to come back to the fullness of the Lord. God promised us our household. He promised us our children. Don't let the devil keep them. <laughs> Don't let the devil have them. Stand your ground because God's with you. We're not going to be contained any longer. Victory's ours. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Well, let's stand to our feet tonight. Oh, thank you, Lord. I feel like I've been to church. I don't even feel like I listened to a long-winded preacher. Oh, I was the long-winded preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, listen. Have a better week this week. Have a better life the rest of this year. Because God's peace rules. His peace rules. Praise God. Amen. We'll see you all Tuesday and then Wednesday night. Brother Kruger, could you dismiss us?